When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. And what's this? It's a it's a happy episode. We've got two wins under our belt. What? Not not just two wins, two dominant wins. Uh, yeah, I think that would be putting it mildly dominant wins over the Vancouver Canucks and San Jose Sharks. Final scores. Seven to one over Vancouver and six to two over the Sharks. We asked for an answer after losing two straight to Columbus and losing McKinnon. I think we got it. I think I think that'll do just fine. What do you think? It'll do just fine. And who knew Val Nachushkin was the glue that this team needed? Yeah, I mean, he among several other players played out of their minds over these last two games. Everybody pitched in. There was not. One line I thought that was poor or wasn't pulling their weight or anything. And every single player was good from top to bottom. I was concerned how he would look without McKinnon. It looked like that was the wake-up call that this team needed. Not having McKinnon kind of forced everyone to step their games up. And they did. It was, if we want to dive right into the Vancouver game, it was from puck drop. The abs were so damn good. Um, I'll get a little sidetracked here. I, I was very lucky. Shout out to my sister, Devin. Uh, she got me tickets, two rows off the ice, closest I've ever been to a game. It is unreal when you are that close to the game, how fast and how big these players are. Um, if you have the funds, I highly recommend doing it because it is an unreal experience and the abs do it really cool. They have this club Lexus so you get free drink and free food the entire game. So I was a couple rows off the ice for this game. Uh, luckily I was in the attack twice side and it got started off on a hot Hot note with uh, Val Nachushkin, uh, aforementioned Val Nachushkin scoring on his uh, scoring on his first game back. It was a beautiful goal from Kadri and Newhook. 
Um, and the Avs were off and running with a one uh, nothing lead. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, this game was not even close from the get-go. There was not a point in time where it looked like the Canucks even had a shot. And you picked one hell of a game to get three rows back from because this was perfect from start to finish. They didn't, they didn't take their foot off the gas, which is a big thing we've had about them in the past over the course of this season. They get a lead, and they're more worried about defending it. And in this one, they just kept playing. Even with a 5-1 to one lead, a 6-1 to one lead, they just kept going. They just kept pouring it on. And it was not just one guy having an outstanding night. Like I think only Miko was the only guy that had more than one goal. In this yeah, and his, goal, his, goal, yeah. his goal could have been argued it was JT's. I've, I've watched that one a couple times. I don't see how it wasn't JT's. I mean, it's, it's weird that Comper doesn't even get a point on that play, but Ranton does technically get credit for that last goal, so he technically gets two in this game. But everybody else was chipping in in this game. You had Val, you had Landeskog, you had Rantanen, you had Logan O'Connor, who's going to be a big point of emphasis again in this episode because he is outstanding. Darren Helm chips in this one, too, on a shorthanded goal assisted by Logan O'Connor because he's real, real good. And the one that made me the most happy, Devontae's. Second oh, game back, gets on the board. I love this guy. I love Devontae's so much. And I, I forgot how much I love Devontae's when he was out. Having him back makes such a difference. I mean, you can be missing a McCarr or a Gerard or anyone on that defense. And I think by committee, you can at least somewhat replace what they bring. You can't replace Taze. And we saw it. This defense crumbled without him for a little while. And yeah, there's more than one factor that goes into that. But it's not a coincidence that Taze is back and gets his feet under him in the second game. And the defense looks right back to last year's form. Looked right back. Only 22 shots against against Vancouver. Like, yeah, back to form. That's, that's the avalanche of last year, and that's the formula to winning. Um, I agree with you. Devon Taves is the best. Like he is just by all accounts, the perfect defenseman in today's NHL. He's great on the defensive end. He knows exactly when to hop up in the play on the offensive end. And he's just so damn reliable. And I, I love the guy. I love him so much. Um, yeah. And like you were saying, he he's irreplaceable. He truly is irreplaceable um, just because he, he does so much on the ice and he's just, him and Makar on the blue line together is like watching poetry in motion. Yeah. Devontae's is just, I've said it a million times uh, last season on this show. He's just, he's a safety blanket. He does everything well when he's in the offensive zone. I'm comfortable with him having the puck when we're playing defense. I'm comfortable with him having the puck. There's just very few things that he does wrong. And it's, the difference when he is on the ice is so apparent. Like I can't overstate it just how much more comfortable everybody looks when Devontae's has the puck or is defending the puck. It's everyone just looks like there's a weight lifted off their shoulders and you just can't quantify any of that. Yeah, it was, it was great just having him back. Do we want to talk about the one bad news from this game right now? Since we've we talked can. about the happy things. We can get into it. You know, we usually end up getting a little negative on here eventually anyway. So why not just hop right into it right away, right? I agree. I mean, we, we got to – I think we would be very off-brand if we didn't give a little negativity. Yeah. Because just that, that's what the hockey gods good. want from us. This is what you get for cracking the code, man. Yep. This is this, – it 
I'll take the blame or I mean, no, I won't take the blame because this is going on way before <laughs> I said anything. But if anything, it just proves me right. Because in the first period of this game, Bo Byram is playing real well in this game, honestly. Again, playing out of his mind, setting up one of those goals early on, and he takes an elbow from Bo Horvat. Horvat's going for the puck, throws his elbow up. I mean, he knows what he's doing on this play. He's throwing his elbow up, and he gets him right in the face. Right like, in the chin. Right, right in the chin, right in the center of the face. Could not have aimed that elbow any better if he was trying, and I'd argue he was trying. So Byram goes right to the locker room right away and does not return in this because we can have nothing in a seven to one win. We still have to walk away feeling bitter because we can, we can't have anything. We had a good nine minutes of a fully healthy decor. Nine minutes, nine minutes. It's, it's insane. It's a curse. Like there's no other way I can put it. This doesn't happen to other teams. And this isn't even the only one in this episode we're going to talk about because it happened in the next game too. Look like, I'm going to spell if you're listening to this, you already know what the other one is, so not really spoilers, but last three games, Nathan McKinnon, done for three weeks. Bo Byram, we don't know. He might have another concussion, which would truly suck. And if that's the case, I don't want him back anytime soon. He needs to get time to heal. And then the next game, JT Comfer, leading scorer, goes down, and we don't know if that's two games or months as uh, Bednar was saying after the game we just don't have an answer even when we're outscoring teams 13 to 3 over two games here we are still needing to for some reason have a negative segment because this just keeps happening it's it's comical at this point we were, we were texting last night it, it's comical how how many injuries this team is having like it's there's no like rhyme or reason to it I think you said that last night there's no rhyme or reason to it. it's just happening like it's random. It's it's random and it's it's not. I don't know how else to describe it. So I the JT Confer one. I don't. I don't even remember the play got injured on. I, I don't recall it. All it I know like, is all I know is I'm watching and I'm looking at the power play one for the game last night and JT Confer is not out there. They got Kadri up on there. And I at first I thought it was oh it's because Kadri was a man amongst boys in the San Jose game. Nope, it's because JT Confer was hurt. Yeah, I mean it looked like to me it might have happened on that interference penalty, but it didn't look like much. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it'd be one thing if it was like, oh, we just keep suffering setback after setback when it comes to injuries. That can at least be pointed at someone. These are all different players getting hurt on completely different situations, whether it's lesser contact like the JT Comfort thing or Bo Byram just getting straight up MMA elbowed in the head for the second time in his short career. And the McKinnon thing where no one even knows what happens. Like it's all completely different situations and completely different games. There's, there's really just nothing left to even say about it. Like it's a, it's a curse. It's the only explanation that makes even a lick of sense. And I bet when we record on Wednesday that, or after the Vancouver game, there's going to be another one just because that's, that's the thing. Is, is it going to be Landeskog? Is it going to be Magna? Is it going to be Makar again? Like, we don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, it, it, we can only just hope, and I hate hoping for injuries, but, like, just with the Azra now, you're hoping it's a Magna or a Shearwood and not a Landeskog or a Ranston or a Kale Makar who's just coming back. Like, you, you just you, – it's it's been crazy at this point now. I, I, I don't know what else to say because we've lost – 
like you said, three players in three straight games and three very significant players in three straight games. Yeah. And you know, the, the common rationale that I always see is, well, we're, we're getting the injuries out of the way before the playoffs. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That's not how injuries work. They, it's not just like, well, you get one injury a year and then you're immune for the rest of the year. You can still That'd catch be cool it. If that was it'd, be, it'd be pretty That'd awesome. Be really and cool. I'd, and I'd be all over it right now if that was the case, but you can be in game 82 and catch a bouncing puck to the face that shatters your jaw. Like you, it's a contact sport and crazy stuff happens. And in the playoffs, guys are playing through broken ribs and punctured lungs. Like the, the whole thing is, it's crazy. There's no other way to say it. It's crazy that this keeps happening. It, it's, it's annoying. It's frustrating. I feel like every episode we talk about how annoying and frustrating these injuries are, but every single episode, it's what we have to talk about. Yeah. I mean, so. I kind of want to move on from injury talk because yeah, let's go back to the positive. Let's go back to the positive positive, because this is outside of that a 99% positive episode. We just won these games 13 to three. So if anything, unlike the injuries, we want to get these out of the way now. So the rest of it can just be pure positive talk. If anything, I want to make fun of some people a little bit, specifically the Vancouver Canucks. These guys suck. They're bad. Oh my God. I mean, we're talking about how frustrated we are right now. They're in the same boat we are, essentially, except a little worse now that they've lost two games in a row after losing to Vegas last night, and they don't have injury excuses. These guys are just bad. Like, yeah, the Avalanche played outstanding in this game, but I could not help but notice that there was very little resistance from the Vancouver Canucks. They really let a lot of that happen. I mean, yeah, we absolutely deserve to win. 7-1 Seven to one is a score reserved for when a team is as on as the Avs and as off as the Canucks, and they cannot keep goals out of their net. No, I mean it's back-to-back games. They allowed seven goals last night against Vegas or Sunday night, Saturday night against Vegas. They lost seven to four. I mean, at least they scored a couple more times. But I don't know if you saw the goal that they gave up last night in Vegas. It was uh, Tyler Myers trying to steal a puck from Demko. Bad. That's that's the, the microcosm of the Canucks season so far. Yeah, I mean the Canucks when they're on can score, but their defense has been so bad for so long. It's like this isn't new, you know. And Quinn Hughes, fine player, he is not on the right team if he wants to learn defense. This guy just gets unfortunately exposed almost every single night. And they add Oliver Ekman Larson to that mix on that albatross contract. Tyler Myers. And actually, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, Tucker Pullman hitting Kiefer Sherwood in the face with his stick. Happened right in front of me. It was crazy. Right in front of you. He literally just took like a a bump from Sherwood and he just turns around and swings his stick at him, a la Jordan Bennington, except actually trying to hit the guy. Hit him in the head. Hit him in the head. I mean, if he swung that thing any harder, you can argue that's like assault. And he gets a two-game suspension for it and a game. Honestly, I thought that was a little light, but what can you expect from Department of Player Safety? I mean, the guy used a stick as a weapon. Like, you got to do something about that. But he was not available for the Vegas game as well, getting back to the point. Like, these guys are terrible. On They're defense. bad. They're really bad. Like, I, I wasn't confident in them coming into the season, but I thought maybe, like, them getting healthy and getting Pedersen back and Demko would at least staunch some of that bleeding. It's 
bad. It's, yeah, it's, real it's not bad. any better for them. And like, they're kind of in like a, they're kind of screwed right now because you've got Pedersen, you've got Besser, you've got Hughes, you've got Horvath all tied up into long contracts and you're kind of not very good. And you traded away your first round pick this year, which kudos to the Coyotes. They won that trade big that time. One from last year. The They still have theirs from this year. That was before the draft. Oh, that's right. Because then the Coyotes got to pick in this draft. That's right. Yeah. You're right. But still, I mean, that's a win for the uh, – that's a win for the Coyotes. In my yeah, it was the ninth overall pick. I mean, yeah. Getting rid of Ekman Larson's a win for me. Yeah. That, that is honestly one of the best trades we've seen over the last couple of years. They took on a bunch of one-year deals. We see what the Coyotes are right now. They don't care about overpriced one-year contracts, all three of them. They got a first out of that deal as well. Ninth overall pick. And pretty much all they had to give up was Connor Garland. They didn't, they're terrible. They're without him. They have no need for Connor Garland right now. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's fine with Vancouver, but my God, Jim Benning, just, I don't know how this guy still has a job. He could be the next, or he could be the first GM fired. And I think their coach could be the first coach. No, I guess coaches have been fired already. He could be the coach that's fired next. Yeah. I, I Travis Green, that's his name. Yeah, I don't see how they can look at what this team is doing with the talent that they have. And keep running this out. I mean, you look at their cap situation. Pedersen for three more years, that's a decent deal. And they have good value. Like Besser is under six for one more year. Horvat and Miller are under six for two more years. It's the pieces around them still. Signing up Tanner Pearson to above $3 million. You got Oliver ekman Larson at over $7 million for the next six years. Tyler Myers <laughs> at $6 million. They just signed Tucker Pullman to two and a half for four years. Like, what are they doing? It's no wonder this team's terrible. Yeah, it's just a bunch of pieces that don't work. And to circle it back to the Avs, the Avs exploited it big time on yeah, Thursday and- and Thatcher Demko could not save them. And fortunate for the Avs, unfortunate for my fantasy team, which had Demko starting. Nothing I could do about that. Yeah, uh, my my fantasy save percentage for this week, I think I told you off air is like, what, 830 right yeah, now? Yeah, not good. It's, not good. Because I also had Spencer Knight earlier this week before I dropped him. Uh, I'm in a world of shit right now <laughs> with my fantasy team. It is not pretty at the moment between Demko and Knight, but... This was as dominant a performance as we've seen from the Avalanche since game one against Vegas, really. I believe it was the same score even, but this is the version of the Avs we've been waiting for since puck drop. We had that first period against Chicago, and we've been kind of searching for it ever since. And they stepped on the gas in this game, and they did not let up even once, which is which has been a problem, like I said earlier. In Columbus, they blew a lead both times. They were more worried about defending the lead than actually playing. And in this one, it didn't matter that they were up multi-goals. People are fighting for their jobs at this point, and they came through. I mean, we started the game, we were up 6 nothing. Yeah. Like, you're up 6 nothing going to the third period. That's we, – if we've been talking about this on the show for a couple of weeks, that this team's creating the chances that they just haven't been able to finish them. And it seems like in these past two games, uh, they're starting to finish them. Uh, so we knew the dam was going to break, and it's just been so satisfying – as a fan, these past couple games to watch them reach the potential that we know they can be at. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, it's not, it wasn't just Rantanen and Landeskog 
carrying the load here. It was Val getting his first goal of the season and his first game back from injury. It was new hook setting up that play as well. And we'll talk about him more later when we get to the San Jose game, but it's Logan O'Connor picking up that nice pass from Gerard in the second period and then setting up Darren Helm for the shorthanded goal to make it. I'm going to cut you off for one second. Darren Helm has been awesome in these past two games and I did not see that coming. Yeah. I've, I really need to remind myself sometimes that Darren Helm is here because I, I totally forgot we signed him in the off season and he's had a couple handful of games where he's been pretty good. I mean, the signings worked out better than I could have hoped for. I, I had no expectations for Darren Helm at all. The fact that he already has two goals, that's two more than I thought he would have in November. Yeah, He's been awesome on the PK and him and O'Connor have formed quite the formidable duo on the PK, like they're slowly replacing the PEB and uh, Calvert duo that we had, I guess, two years ago, because Calvert was hurt all last year, but they're turning into a really good PK duo. Um, And yeah, I, I did not expect that either. I I knew Logan O'Connor was going to be good, but I did not think he was going to be a top six forward. Good. Logan O'Connor. I mean, I love the guy. I did not see this coming from him. These two games really just personify him as a player. He works his ass off every time he's on the ice. And finally, over these two games against Vancouver and San Jose, he's been getting rewarded. And you even talked about the the shorthanded duo of Helm and O'Connor. They did it again the very next game against the Sharks. Helm set up O'Connor for this one. And now you have suddenly... Logan O'Connor, who has admitted that he has struggled with finishing his chances this year with two more goals all of a sudden. And as we'll get to in the San Jose game, plugging in on the top line between Landeskog and Ranton and getting rewarded for all of his hard work. But just to wrap up on this Canucks game, uh, I'll say that I was wrong about my thoughts on this game coming in. You had this one right, that they were going to dominate this one. I thought this was going to be grind it out and earn your way out of this mess. This break did them a lot of good. They had some good practices and they steamrolled a floundering Canucks game. It was one of the few times my predictions will be right for the year. So I I just want the listeners to uh, keep this one in your mental bank for me because uh, this was one of the few times I will be right. So uh, yeah, keep that in your, uh, your mental banks for me because it won't happen very often. Yeah, I'd, I'd ask you guys to keep track of how many times I'm wrong, but I'm not going to ask anyone to do that. That's just if we much, do that, man, much we'll, to ask for. We'll be like 20% right at the end of the year. So, I mean, how, how many episodes have I done? You can just go by that at this point. <laughs> oh. So, but what, my one last thought on that game, on the Canucks game, and then we'll move on to the San Jose game. Uh, and we can kind of lean into the San Jose game with this too. Darcy Kemper, I tweeted this out last night and I got, uh, there were some mean people telling me, uh, that I was, uh, uh, no, duh. Uh, Darcy Kemper is really good at hockey. Um, he's a really good goalie and, uh, it's, it was nice to be reminded of that fact because he was brilliant in these two games. Yeah. Darcy Kemper has found his form in Colorado. Again, he was a nine fifty five in this one. The only, the only goal he allowed was just a crazy pinball mess in front of the net that he had absolutely no chance on. No one's even going to look at him for that one. But if we want to talk a little bit about the, the goaltending controversy coming into this season of letting Philip Grubauer go and trading for Darcy Kemper, uh, not to get ahead of myself or anything, that debate is over. 
Darcy Kemper was the right choice. Philip Grubauer, according to his goals saved above expected, is the worst goalie in the league right now. And Seattle is floundering because of it. Darcy Kemper is back up to a 914 after a, a, a slow start in like the first four games of the year. I think we made the right call. I think we made the right call too. And I, I hate to do it because we both love Gruby. Like I love, I, love, I love Gruby. He made the wrong choice because it sounds like the Avs had an offer on the table that was probably around 5 million a year, maybe not 5.8 like he ended up getting. And I don't know if the term was as long. Like we don't know the details of it, but he had the chance to stay here and he went to Seattle and it's not going well for him. I think he's a 0.88 save percentage right now. Um, and what people thought was going to be a strength for the Kraken was their goaltending is proving to be their Achilles heel. Yeah. And we'll talk more about Seattle as our first game with them gets closer, but I was tweeting a couple days ago that I really just never understood some of the decisions they made leading into this season, whether it was hiring Dave Haxtall as the head coach, abandoning the decent goaltending tandem that they had with trading away Vitek Vanacek back to Washington for a second round pick and committing all that term and money to Philip Grubauer and kind of they did not do well in the expansion draft. I don't agree with a lot of the picks they made and it's, this isn't a Vegas. It's not working right now. They thought it was going to be a Vegas. Yeah, they really did. They thought it was going to be a Vegas and Vegas was, I'll give Vegas. I'll say one nice thing about Vegas. They, they killed the, they killed the draft. Like yeah. they killed it. They got flurry. They, they got loaded with talent. And all those drafts. Yeah. And Seattle has all of their players. I mean, outside of like, uh, like TANF has been a good surprise for them. Um, Their defense isn't very good. Like they're just not very good hockey team. And it's, it's kind of a bummer, but I'm, I feel way better about the abs going in there. Is that going to be, is that Friday night or. I think it's Friday. Yeah. I think it's Friday night because we got Vancouver on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. It's Friday. So it's going to be, I feel a lot better about the abs going in there, especially with the way the abs played in these past two games. Yeah. Like my thing about Seattle is they had their choice of head coaches before anyone else for two straight years. This was still when Gerard Gallant was on the market and they voluntarily went and chose Dave Haxtall. Who underperformed with the Flyers. He was never a good coach with the Flyers. That team was always robbed of their potential because of his bizarre schemes and even with guys like Gallant on the table and all the other solid coaches like Rick Tockett who's still on the market they went with Hackstall who was an assistant in Toronto like I don't I don't get it we'll move on from Seattle and save that talk for when we play them on the next episode but yeah the the Kemper Grubauer debate is over and At this Seattle. point right now, the Avs have made – like, it, it was a genius move by Joe Sackick. Yeah. problem is now is Kemper's playing so well, <laughs> we have to be able to re-sign him at the end of the year. Yeah, then there's that. We'll, we'll save that for the, yeah. the offseason. We'll keep this in check for now. But yeah. Avs win 7-1 over the Canucks. And going into this game against the Sharks, I was fairly confident they were going to win – uh, they scared the shit out of me in the first 10 minutes of this game. That that was really bad. And I, I will come out and admit, I told Christian this before we started recording, I was multitasking like crazy for this game. I was trying to, to work my college hockey game for UMBC. I was double tasking as both the announcer and the color commentator. And I had the abs game on on my phone 
on the little hilt on my microphone that I use to record these podcasts at the rink. So I'm watching that game happening right in front of my face. I'm trying to get everything off the announcing script and talk into the microphone so that I can record the commentary. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm trying to keep an eye on this abs game. But even I could see that that first 10 minutes was a mess. It was bad. It was really, I was, I was back in my normal nosebleed seats for this game. Um, it was not a good start. And I was very concerned that this game was going to spiral out of control, kind of like the Vegas game did, but uh, shout out, like we just talked about Darcy Kemper. He kept the abs in the game. The one goal that beat him was an absolute rocket by Logan Couture. That was an awesome that shot. Was a, that was a pretty goal. It was beautiful. Um, and I was definitely concerned because the abs were out shot. I think it was nine, nothing for the first like 10 minutes of the game. It was not good. The top line with Comfer, Landeskog, and Ranton just was not clicking at all. Um, but then the Avs slowly ride the ship. They got a power play. The first power play didn't go well. Uh, the top unit was a little disorganized again. Uh, and then I can't remember, was it? I think it was the second power play is when Taves unleashed another just beautiful slap shot. It was. Um, just a beautiful slap shot at the end of the power play. Um Tied the game at one, and the Avs really never looked back from there. I think by the end of the period, I think the Avs had taken the shot, the shots on goal lead by like 12 to 9 by the end of the first period. It was uh, awesome. Looking at it right now, the Sharks had a 12 to 10 lead after the first period. But well, I, right. I had the numbers right. I was backwards. Yeah, you but, but still thinking about after the Sharks had that massive lead for us to muster now 10 shots, and not only that, take the lead by yep. the end of the period, by the very end of that. Quite impressive. And again, Devon Tays, love this guy so much. I say this about so many of our defensemen because they're all just so good. Devon Tays, I want his jersey. I want Byram's jersey. I have a Makar shirt. And Sam Gerrard, we'll talk about him too because this, this game was Sam Gerrard's magnum opus. This is what we have waited for and more. This was the best performance of any defenseman this year, bar none. Four I'm going to save... I'm going to save the Sam Gerrard. Uh, people need to shut up about Sam Gerrard. We'll save that for later. Yeah, but we'll get into that because it's a long conversation. So, but yeah, you were saying four points for Samuel G last night. Yeah. So, yeah, so he had four points last night. He was fantastic. He was, it was the Samuel Gerrard we had become used to seeing. And like we talked about with Devon Taves, he just has such good chemistry with every defenseman, it seems. But his chemistry with Samuel Gerrard, I don't think Sam Adroy has that offensive chemistry with any other defenseman on the team. No, I think, I think you're totally right. Gerard just seems so much more comfortable when he's paired with him compared to everybody else. And it kind of makes you wonder because we know how good Taves and McCarr are. I mean, you put Taves with anyone, they're going to be good. But when you get a Byram healthy, do you put a Byram with a Kale McCarr? I mean, Byram, when he was with McCarr, was really good. And if Gerard and Taves are going to play like this together, I mean, what an amazing problem to have. Oh, no. Are we going to play Byram with Gerard or are we going to play him with Makar? Whatever will we do with such a crisis? Or do we? Or are we going to have to be forced to put Devon Taze with Kale Makar or, God forbid, Sam Gerard? I mean, how can we ever win with such an amazing top four? You can't – like, it, it's so beautiful and it's – we didn't really get a chance because I know that Byram and Gerard were paired together in that first game. Um, we got a whopping nine minutes like we talked about, but we didn't really get a chance to see them play together. 
But I, I do like the way that Gerard and Taves play. They just have that little backwards, like Sam and Gerard just taps it behind his back to Taves, who's just waiting for a slap shot. I don't know how teams haven't scouted that because they do it every single time they're on the ice. Yeah, I, it, they just have so much chemistry together. And so I always go back to with Taves, just this guy doesn't do anything wrong. He does not do anything wrong. He doesn't have terrible turnovers he knows how to shoot he knows how to back check he knows how to defend it's like you said he's the perfect defenseman and just what a perfect response after such a terrible start to the period we go to the second period with the lead and we didn't even talk about the Nazem Kadri goal at the end of the first period yeah I thought we did somehow but yeah Nazem oh. Kadri just he is rolling right now more than almost anybody on this team he is on a roll another three points in this game with another goal and picked up an assist on the, the Vancouver game as well. So he's got four points in his last two games. And even, even against Columbus, he was still performing quite well. Like the second line against Columbus was one of the very few bright spots from those two games get, especially getting Berkey back. who was also very good over the course of these two games and Kadri, you can't break up the second line. You have Val back. And I know that we're going to talk about Comfort being hurt later. You're not touching that second line at all. You keep these guys together because they have been absurd together. It's slowly turned in. Like earlier in the year, we were freaking out about the depth scoring. But now that the second line has come alive, um, Kadri's leading the team in points now. So that's pretty cool to think about. Um, and you got Val back and you got Berkey back. You bump down a Comfort and an O'Connor on that third line. I'm starting to love that third line and a new hook now playing pretty well. Like all of a sudden our depth scoring isn't looking nearly as bad when a McKinnon comes back. Yeah. Remember what I was saying last episode, like the guys in the depth aren't pulling their weight over these last couple of games that has completely changed. You have Val back. He immediately pots two points over these two games. One of them being a goal. He's three for three, a point per game. Kadri, he's got 14 points in leading the team. Burakovsky pots another goal. He's up to eight points in 11 games all of a sudden. The only one disappointment I had now that I'm thinking about it is Tyson Jost was not involved in really much of anything, but that's it. You had, but he didn't make any big defensive mistakes either. Exactly. You know, that's my, that's my only thing from these games that Jost couldn't get involved offensively, which is a little bit of a shame, but outside of that, everyone else got involved. New hook goal and assist O'Connor, Two goals and an assist. Two assists even. Darren Helm, goal and assist. Megna picks up his first point of the season. You've got Sam Gerrard putting up four points. You had Devon Tays potting two goals. I mean, you could not ask for, for better performances from the depth. I got exactly what I asked for. It, it, was, it was a perfect game, for perfect two game for the Avalanche when it came to that. And it, it sucks that McKinnon's hurt, but it also forces those players to know that they don't have the safety blanket of McKinnon. So they have to step up and that it's going to suck with McKinnon still out. And I do wish McKinnon was back, but it's going to help this team in the long run because players like a Kadri, like a Berkey, like a big Val, like an O'Connor, they're going to get those extra minutes and their confidence is going to grow each time they're on the ice. And when you add back a McKinnon, those players are still going to be playing with that same confidence because yeah, they know they can do it. And that, I think it's also going to benefit McKinnon as well, because McKinnon, is such a competitor that sometimes it can be to his deficit because when this abs team struggles, a guy like McKinnon sees that and is like, okay, it is my job to fix. This is my job alone. I alone 
will take care of this. And that's when he starts to get away from his game because he starts looking at like, I'm going to solve this. I am the problem solver. And you would see it that he's gripping his stick a little tight, trying to do too much even before he got injured. And surely up in the press box, seeing the team take care of business without him is going to make him relax when he comes back and understand that these guys can take care of business. Even if I don't need to do everything myself, I can set these guys up. I can make more room. It's just good for everybody, even without McKinnon, to be playing like this and to add all that confidence back to this group. It's what we needed. And yeah, losing McKinnon sucks, but it, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise for this team in these two games that he's been out. Yeah, you have to make do. You have to do it. Like there's no excuses. You need to play better. And they have shoved it in our faces when we were talking about them last episode about how the depth needs to step up so far these two games they've stepped up and they've been awesome yeah they have just been out of this world and the goal that made me the happiest to see even outside of logan o'connor i'm always happy to see o'connor goals but the one to me that will define this game alex newhook getting his first regular season goal in the nhl he had the playoff goal against st louis in game three but you can see the difference after he was sent to the AHL. He got his confidence back. He knows where to go now. He was picking his positions a lot smarter. And we kind of we glossed over it a little bit. The first Val goal against Vancouver was largely set up by Alex Newhook. He only got the secondary assist. And, but he really set that play up with his speed, his awareness. And in this one, he got himself to the right position and put himself in the right spot to receive that Sam Gerrard pass. It almost looked identical to his goal against the blues in the playoffs, almost the exact same spot. And that is going to be huge for him and, and for the confidence of this team to be getting that kind of depth scoring from a young player. And now he understands what to do. I know making your debut in the playoffs or late in the season, performing as well as he did kind of might set the wrong expectation that you might not have to work as hard the next season. You get that goal against St. Louis, you perform really well in the playoffs and you kind of get away from yourself. You get sent, you get sent down to the AHL. You have your confidence scuffed. You have to, you have to earn it back. And he did. And you can see the difference. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, Draft Kings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It does not matter the goal, whether it's a one-time shot or a deflection in front. However, any team lights the lamp, you win. If DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, don't worry. DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed because everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And that's not all because DraftKings is also giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. That's right. All you've got to do is simply just put some money in the account and you get a free shot at millions of dollars that's it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, 
one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. He's been very noticeable in the two games since he's been back. I mean, even the first goal against San Jose uh, on Taves' goal, it looked like Newhook may have gotten a piece of it, but he's out in front of the net setting the screen. And to go on the expectations point you were talking about, like last year he came in, there were no expectations for him. And then this year he's being expected to be a top six forward. He's expected to score goals and we need him to, but he's been great ever since he came back and he's been very, very noticeable on the ice. I mean, that goal, it was honestly just a chef's kiss of a goal because you had Samuel Gerard walk the blue line, creep down the boards. Newhook just slides him right through the back door. Perfect pass by Sammy G and Newhook does not skip a beat, rips it past. I think it was Aiden Hill and goal last night for the Sharks. It was. Um, and it, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's in the water up in uh, Northern Colorado, but it definitely woke up Alex Newhook and he has been fantastic in the two games since he's come back yeah a all that talent has been there with him even when he struggled early in the year it was all there with him but you can see the difference now in his decision making and his finishing ability is absolutely nhl level you can see with that shot he has no trouble scoring at the nhl level it was just all in his head early on and you compare it to what sampo ranta was doing during his 10 game stretch significantly different Newhook just has a lot more talent and a lot more confidence and replacing Ranta with Newhook just adds another layer to this team. Well, it, it's needed. And maybe Sampo Ranta goes down and does the same thing in the AHL. He gets his confidence back and we can add him back into the line and he replaces a Megna, but it's, it's going to be a huge, huge addition. If Alex Newhook can continue to play the way he was playing in these last two games because he's, I mean, he's a, he's a top six player. He can't, he has that potential to be a top six forward and we're going to need him to play that way with McKinnon out. And I really do think that it's beneficial to him that he was playing with a guy like Logan O'Connor to start, because I think their kind of playing styles match up. Well, of course, as this game went on, as we talked about with JT Comfer going out, LLC got moved up to the first line, but Newhook didn't skip a beat the rest of that game. He was awesome. Yeah, O'Connor, I think, is the kind of player you want a player like Newhook playing with because he sets that example of I'm going to go on the ice, I am going to work harder than everybody else, and I'm going to get you that puck whether you like it or not. And Newhook definitely followed that example. And even with O'Connor being taken off that line and being replaced, he still kept that same example and was still rolling on every single shift and Newhook is the kind of player right now where you can kind of plug him in wherever you want you can plug him in at fourth line center you can put him on the third line you don't you're not touching the second line but you can put him on the first line if need be if you need an injection of skill and speed up there too I wouldn't be surprised like you were saying last episode if over the next couple of games especially if Comfer is going to be out that you see Newhook maybe getting some run with Landis Gog and Rantanen could you imagine how gross that line could potentially be like that could be a 
disgusting line of hockey um, because new hook is, has that skill to be at that top six um, top six level. I, I do want to co- give a shout out to my co-host Griffin. He is multitasking right now. We are recording it's what I do during the Capitals Penguins game and the Capitals are putting a hurt on the Penguins right now. And so you just scored Tom, Tom Wilson. Wilson against Your the favorite. Penguins. Your Nothing favorite. makes me happier with Sidney Crosby in the box after throwing a temper tantrum. Sorry to interrupt the show, but yeah, sorry, I, but I, I, I had to point it out. I, I had to point it out. Yeah. I because Griffin's just over here. He's been smiling his face off. I think in the time we've recorded, the caps went up from being two, one down, they're up six, one. Yeah. So, but we'll, we'll dive back into the, uh, the new hook potentially playing with Ranton and Landis Gog. I, I think it'd be, like I said, a couple episodes ago, I think it would be really good to see those three play together. I, I think when you have a player like Newhook, if he's playing with that confidence, mix him up with a, a Ranston and a Landeskog, Ranston, the playmaker and Landeskog, the enforcer, it's going to be, it could be a potentially scary line until McKinnon gets back. I mean, you're going to have to experiment. There is no doubt about that. And we saw that all in the final half of the San Jose game. You had Landeskog running at center. You had O'Connor running up there at certain points. You had Burakovsky making appearances on that top line. You had almost everyone auditioning on that top line at a certain point. And losing Comfer is going to suck a lot, especially if it is long-term. I mean, he is having one hell of a bounce back season after not being good at all last year outside of like the final five games. He's already up to is it five or six goals at this point. He had the one taken yeah. away. So I think he's back to five now, but He's still tied for the team league and goals. And like we said earlier, we can't have anything nice. He is immediately ripped away from us. And we're just, we're wait, we're waiting for the diagnosis at this point. Might be a couple games, might be a couple months based on the attitude of Bednar. I mean, he, he seemed just about as pissed as anybody when it comes to these injuries. He's just so sick of it. There's nothing like, like I said, I didn't see the injury. I, I don't know where he got hurt. I haven't found it on Twitter of where he got hurt. But it's just it's rough right now. Um, but I just kind of plug and play. We got we can talk about real quick the uh, the addition the Avs made in the picking up on the waiver wire. I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm going to let you try and do it. Obey Kubel. You got it right. It is Nicholas Obey Kubel. We claimed him from the Philadelphia Flyers before the San Jose game. Uh, I was surprised that we were able to get him because I I was going to tweet that we should probably put in a claim on this guy when he got down there but i forgot because i have adhd and my brain goes all over the place but i never expected we would get him until someone pointed out to me rightly on twitter that uh i don't know if you've looked at the standings lately buddy but we're not very high in them yeah but we get the first claim and the thing that always throws me off about waivers is i never know when it switches over from last season so i was still running under the assumption that we got the very last claim at him but that guy's completely right we had like what the fifth claim I think we, so. Thank God it happened before the uh, win streak that's going on right now. Cause yeah, I, I think he's, I've watched a couple of flyers games. He, he's a pest. He's, he's not really a uh, score, but he could be a really good fourth line guy for us. And I, I thought it was a good pickup. I don't know about you. I honestly love the pickup. Honestly, you know, he's been a, a solid contributor to the, the flyers over the last couple of years. Abe Kubel, 25 years old, a second round pick. Back in 2014, he made his debut in the 1920 season. 
36 games in 1927, goals, eight points. 13 playoff games that year, two goals, one assist. Last year in 50 games, three goals, nine assists, 12 points. You know, we're not adding like a, a game changer here, but he plays with a bit of an edge. And so far this season, seven games, one assist. He's not well, been good this year. Yeah, he hasn't been good at all this year. There's a reason he got put on waivers. But I think there is enough there that he's shown in the past that we can expect a, at least a solid addition. To I think it's, and I really trust Joe Sack. Joe Sack doesn't pick up many players from waivers, but the players he has picked up from waivers have been solid contributors to the team. I mean, Bal Nachushkin, I don't know if he was technically waivers. No, we, he, he got bought out and we signed him. He got bought out, yes, we signed him. Uh, and then you have, uh, I, you go back to Matt Nieto, that was a really great waiver pickup. He was underproducing in San Jose. Uh, you add a, we're going way back here, Mark Barbario. I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah. But Sackick's proven that he can pick up talent on the waivers. And with the injury to Comfort now, you need another, you need another forward because there, there's really no one else to recall <laughs> up from the Eagles. You're not going to call Ranta back up. Um, yeah, and the, the other name that you could call up is Maltsev, but Kubel has proven more at the NHL level than Maltsev has. And I think much like Ranta and Newhook, I think Maltsev needs to get some of that confidence back and needs to iron out some details of his game. And when it comes to Kubel, you're not married to this guy. I mean, if he sucks, you just put him back on waivers and he, someone either picks him up and it's no harm, no foul, or he just gets sent to the minors and you can keep him. Yep. And he's still a relatively young player at 25 years old. He plays with a bit of an edge and it's just more depth to add to the bottom six. And I, I think that he is going to work here. I think Alain Vigneault in Philadelphia is not the best coach in the world. For he's young players specifically. Yeah. And I think Jared Bednar, I mean, as much as some people want to give him crap, is a much better coach than AV in Philly. And he's said as much that we're going to give him a bigger role in Colorado. And I think you're going to see him mixing in on that third and fourth line every now and again. And he's just going to be a valuable addition to this team. And I think it is one of the final nails in the Curtis McDermott coffin because all Bay Bell does not shy away from the big boys in the league. He's fought the likes of Tom Wilson in the past and held his own, I must say. And McDermott has done nothing of the sort when it comes to playing with an edge. Kubel can do that, and he will be asked to do that, and he will do it. And he has the potential to chip in offensively. Just don't expect a ton, M much like a Darren Helm. Don't expect a lot. But I, I really like this addition. No What's his speed no like? What's his speed like? He's, pretty He's a pretty quick player, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's about NHL average speed. He's not skating in concrete, but he's no Connor McDavid. There's no Connor McDavid. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I, I like the addition. I mean, you can never have enough forward depth, especially with the Avalanche. With especially how with the Avalanche. You cannot have enough forwards. So, and it's a cheap, and like you said, we're not tied to this guy. If he sucks, we just throw him back on waivers. Yeah, it's, it's what I said on Twitter once we claimed him. Like, unless he's offensively terrible and in the few games he's here actively costs us goals, there's really no downside here. As long as he's passable, he's fine. I mean, he's just over a million dollars on the salary cap for the end of this year. He's $1,075,000. It's, yeah. it's negligible. And I, I like Kubel, honestly. I enjoyed him a little bit in Philadelphia. I mean, obviously he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, not exactly a player you're always watching, but 
He caught my attention every now and again when the Flyers would play. He's a physical guy. He plays hard. And he's just a solid addition to this team and might be just what we need to add even more of a spark to this bottom six. Yeah, I mean, we we need the depth right now, especially now with the Comfort injury. So I I think it was a really solid move. I, I, I can say I have not watched a ton of Obey Q-Bell. Um, I've seen, I've watched the Flyers play in the past. I never really, he never really caught my eye, but it's it's just a real solid, solid pickup, I think, by Joe Sackick. Yeah, I mean, and like, like you said, it's a nail in the coffin for Curtis McDermott. I think his time's coming. Yeah. I think he's going to get put on waivers here pretty soon. He he has to be. There's no point keeping him around. But yeah, it's like we were saying earlier. This is this is a a low risk, potentially high reward move. If he sucks, you just put him back on waivers. Someone else can claim him because there were other teams that were rumored to have tried to claim him. So someone else will try him. And even if he does clear it, you just you put him in the minors, and that's more Eagles depth. Like there's no downside here. There's really. Nothing to complain about. I, I would just say manage your expectations with him. He's not going to be a, a big point producer. He, I think we'd be lucky if he puts up even close to 10 on the year. I think five might be more reasonable. If he, if he, if that, he plays the rest of the season, I think five is pretty realistic with his skill set. But there's still some growth there to be done at 25, only broke into the league two years ago. And there's growth there. And I, I think Megna has been admirably okay, but yeah. I, I do think, uh, I just said his name, Obey Cubell is, is a better NHL quality player than Jason Megna. Yeah. And I think you said it best. Megna has been admirable. I wouldn't go as far as good, but he has performed admirably. He picked up a point over these last two games he has an assist in 10 games but he's just not an nhl player he'll tell you that he's 31 years old there's no growth coming here he is exactly what he is he is a 13th forward yeah and it's not a bad thing but i do think obey bill will he's going to be a better option than a jason magna so personally if i got i think honestly when count comes back i i don't know if Magna stays up with the team for much longer once Cal comes no. back. And, and, and also, uh, this is, I th- honestly, I think we might be looking at the wrong guy here. I think this is uh, Kiefer Sherwood out of the lineup at this point. Obey Kubel, I believe, is a full-time right winger and where Sherwood's been. Sherwood just – He's I, there. He doesn't He's there. do – He's the definition of a warm body. No offense yeah. to him. He's been okay, but he doesn't produce points. He doesn't – do much at the NHL level. He's not terrible, but he's an all-star AHL player. Yeah. He's a great AHL player, but that doesn't always translate into the NHL. Some players dominate the AHL. They get called up multiple times and they just never do anything with, there's nothing wrong with that. He's a better hockey player than I will ever be at anything I ever do in my entire life. But when it comes to the NHL, just not much there and replacing him with Kubel just gives this team better depth. Is that simple? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. But it, it is going to be interesting to see um, when we get a count back or something like that, how what Bednar does with the lineup. Because it, it's not like count was super impressive in his time before he got hurt. So he was better than he has been. And he, I think he's earned another call up. But I mean, what a terrible problem to have. Oh, what, who are we going to play this game? Are we going to play Albay Kubel? Are we going to play count? Are we going to play Sherwood? Are we going to play Ranta? Are we going to play Maltsev? Are we going to play Sakura? 
We have options. And for a team that deals with as many fucking injuries as this team, we need that. That's yeah. what we need more than anything. So even if Abe Kubel is passable, that's fine. That's just another, it's just another piece. You need those, you need those depth guys who are just, they're just sandpaper type of guys. They'll just, they'll annoy the hell out of the um annoy the hell out of the other team and they'll play good defensively and then they may chip in a couple goals every once in a while. Slowly Logan O'Connor is graduating from that type of player to a top six player, but um I I do think having that depth is a good thing. And I do still think we're gonna see Shane Bowers this year. Before the year's over, I do think we're gonna see Shane Bowers play for the Avs. I certainly hope so. He has worked real hard for a spot, but that's a lot of guys in front of him that he's gonna have to to work his way past. And Logan O'Connor, I mean what else can you say about him? Yeah. That guy just works so hard and he deserves everything that he has ever gotten with this season. And finally scoring those two goals, getting to center land of Skagen Rantanen. We'll see what we have in store for him over these next couple of games without McKinnon and potentially without comfort, but it all points to, to good things. One thing I do want to talk about before we start to wrap is the game that Sam Gerrard had in this one, like, fully dive into just how good Sam Gerrard was in this one. Cause we've been waiting for something like this. We have been, and it, it, it did come up on our last episode. We did talk about how there was the rumor that Gerrard was offered for a Jack Eichel. And we were both under the understanding that if you were trading Sam Gerrard, it better be for a Jack Eichel type player. It better be. Yeah. And at minimum. At minimum. And he shoved it in our face. Well, not our faces because we love Sammy G, but a lot of people's faces about how good of a fucking defenseman he is because he is a top four defenseman on a top four defenseman on majority of teams in the NHL right now. Yeah. And on one of the best defensive contracts in the NHL at five million dollars for the next five years, you just don't find that kind of value around there in the league. And the fact that he's come up in trade rumors oh as as a guy that we are actively shopping is crazy like i said it last episode that rumor is bullshit there is no way that's true as part of an eichel deal that's one thing that's jack fucking eichel yeah you know but sam gerard as he proved with four points the empty net goal and four shots on goal and overall being the best player on the ice the entire game why would you ever subtract the luxury of having the best defensive core in the NHL when you're not getting an Eichel or, or like a Nylander or something like that? Like, there's just no reason to go shopping this guy. Like, I've, I've seen the, the argument brought up like, well, he's our only trade ship because he's good and he's on a great contract and he's only 23. Yeah, you know what? He is a trade ship. You know who else is technically a trade ship? Kale McCarr. Are we trading him? No. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You don't trade players who can get 50 points just away, especially on the defensive side of the defensive side of the ice. Like, yeah, he's small. He's going to get exposed. Not even that small. Yeah, like he's 5'10". But for a defenseman, he is, he is, he is a little small, but he's, he makes up for it on the offensive end. Like there's very few players on the defensive side of the like puck who have his skills, his skill set. It sucks for him that he plays with one of the players who's better, and that's Kale McCarr. But I would argue Sam Gerrard's better in the offensive end than maybe a Devon Taves. Like, his playmaking's better than a Devon Taves. 
but he is such a fucking great player. And I've been, I've been barking up this tree for two years now. Cause it always seems like Gerard is getting brought up in trade rumors and I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's, I don't think you even need to look any farther than he's small. And there's just a portion of fans in every fan base and analysts around the league that just hate players that are small. And even then, 5'10's not small. If he was two inches taller, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. But because some people are just so narrow-minded and look at size and not how they perform on the ice, that they're just like, well, you can't win with this guy. What? Well, we are winning. Well, you can't win in the playoffs with him. He's like, see how he did against Vegas? He wasn't the only guy that was bad. I feel like that just gets Everyone forgotten. He wasn't, he was not Patrick Nemeth in that series. Patrick Nemeth's not a small guy from what I remember. Yeah, Gerard wasn't good. You know who else wasn't good? Literally everybody. Pinning it on after Gerard. Game one, after game one, no one was good. No one was good. Nobody. Pinning it on Gerard is one of the most absurd storylines I, I saw from this offseason. And I'm going to little outlandishly tie this into the, the John Tortorella and Connor McDavid thing, but I just don't really take a lot of hockey narrative seriously anymore when it comes to like players being too skilled or too small. You had John Tortorella on national TV saying that Connor McDavid needs to change his game in order to win. I saw that. In the NHL. I saw that. that actually made me upset. Connor McDavid is the best player we have seen since Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and just scored his 600th point today. It, that's insane. But he's he really needs- good. I I don't know. I'm I love Connor McDavid. I think it's more the Oilers' fault. That that's they exactly what it is. McDavid doesn't need to do anything. It's also the fact that the rules change in the playoffs and it's legal to maul Connor McDavid yeah. and just stop him from doing anything. It was the same problem that Crosby had his first couple playoff runs. Like he's gonna figure it out. Connor McDavid's just way too good of a player that he's not going to be good it's the Oilers fault because there's literally nothing around him outside of dry side yeah and like I know we're getting a little off topic here but I'm tying this back into the same like that this is the same conversation Gerard's too skilled and too small you can't win with them you need to trade them and get some more size no who's really big Curtis McDermott is Curtis McDermott an NHL player absolutely fucking not size is nothing if you don't know how to use it so just going out there and trading for size is useless. Sam Gerrard, when he's on, is a really good defenseman and a top pair defenseman on any team in the NHL. And we have him locked up at $5 million for the next several years. We don't have to worry about him. Yeah, so, and I mean, like, this is what frustrates me. Because you go look at Sam Gerrard's stats. It's not like he's a defensive liability. No. You, go back to, you go back to last year, he's plus 15. The year before that, he's plus one in 70 games. The year before that, when he first broke in with the Avs, or the second year he broke in with the Avs, he was plus eight. Like, he's a plus player. Um, And, like, I just don't get it. Like, people forgetting, like, last year when Kale McCarr was hurt and it was Devon Taves and Sam Gerrard, Sam Gerrard was playing, like, 28 minutes a game. Yeah, and Gerrard's analytics have always been skewed that he is outstanding defensively. Like it's the foundation of Gerard isn't good and needs to be traded is literally just based on his height. He's five ten instead of two inches taller at six feet. Like that makes such a difference. Yeah. Okay. He's not the most physical player in the world, 
Who cares? He's good, and you can win with him. And they're going to win with him. They're going to win with this decor. Like, it's such a frustrating argument. It's he's just he's a punching bag for people. Sometimes they need someone to blame, so they pick on the guy who's who's five ten instead of six feet. It doesn't make sense. It, it, it's it's the punching bag, and you go look at his stats for this year. Ten games played, nine points, minus two. I'll take a point per game from a defenseman any day of the week. And that's what he's playing like right now. And he's had some bad luck to start this year. We've talked about before. He's been cheap shotted in two games that cost him definitely some time and a little bit of his pizzazz. But now that he's fully healthy, uh, yeah, Sam Gerrard's fucking really good. And you know what? We're going to start this now, Griffin. We're going to start this now. This is a respect Sam Gerrard podcast. Yeah. If you, li- if you listen to this, we encourage you to respect Sam Gerrard because he is a really fucking good defenseman. And we are not going to trade him unless we are getting a Jack Eichel. Like that is the only acceptable trade I would accept for Sam Gerrard at this point is a Jack Eichel. Yeah. If you are trading Sam Gerrard ever, you better be getting a substantial upgrade uh, probably on offense on the wings or some kind of center. It's the only way that can be acceptable. And it better be like a one for one kind of deal. Cause admittedly we do have amazing defensive depth with Byram and Eric Johnson and Justin Barron eventually going to come up the wings and Sean Barron's down there. And I totally just blanked on uh, Drew Hellison. Yeah. Drew Hellison. So technically we could afford it, but why would you just do it just because like, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. And we even talked about in the last episode, like we were trying to find a trade where we'd be happy with it. We couldn't come up with one player that wasn't named Jack Eichel. Yeah, like I've come up with like Eichel, like Nylander, if the Leafs tank again. Nylander is really good. I feel like that that one for one Gerard for Nylander, I would be okay with. But that's like the end of the list. Yeah, there's just nothing out there and they aren't going to move those type of players. So stop freaking out, Avs fans. Like, enjoy Sam Gerard while he's here because he's a really fun player to watch. Like that play he made to Newhook to set up Newhook's goal was one of the prettiest plays, not only defensively, but offensively you will see. Go back to watch how the play starts. He keeps the puck in at the blue line and just dangles around everyone and sets up Newhook. It was a beautiful play. And I'm glad we talked about this because man, our guy, Sam Gerard gets probably the most hate out of any abs player. Then every every fan base has a guy for some reason for us it's sam gerard and it's it's not going to go away until we win the cup honestly like even, even if we get to the third round of the stanley cup final if we lose at any point it's just going to be blamed on gerard because like this narrative this narrative doesn't come from abs fans i'll give them that credit it comes from national media who don't watch every game who come in every once in a while look at the stats look at his size and watch one shift where he gets hit and knocked down be like, ah, too small, can't compete. And that gets broadcast on national television from guys like John Tortorella or a a Nick Kiprios or like a Don Cherry reaches other people's ears and it spreads to us and people who, who aren't like us and aren't hardcore fans who watch all 82 games. That's the narratives they pick up on. And it's really sad because I, I love Samuel Gerard ever since we got that, Ever since he was traded, he, he's he been a really fucking good defenseman for the Avalanche. And he's been a really, really good player. And it's kind of 
sucks for him because he falls behind a guy like Kale McCarr and now Bo and Byram and Devon Taves that you kind of forget about him. But you're telling me that's my fourth best defenseman. I'll take that every day of the fucking week. Yeah. Like it's just three times on Sunday. Yeah. 100%. It having Gerard takes this defensive core to a whole other level of good. No other team in the league can come even close to matching it. So let's put all the water on the Sam Gerard trade talks because we're barely past 10 games into the season to talk about trading him because this team needs a change is absurd. So until the time comes where it actually becomes feasible and we're talking about like an Eichel-esque player being tossed around in a trade, only then would I ever be okay with Gerard being traded. So let's throw water on that for now. That's all I had to say about it. Yeah, that's all I have to say about it too. And to, just like we said, listeners, respect Sam Gerard. It's respect Sam, Sam Gerard. Gerard season. Yeah, Christian, you just came up with the title for this episode. So there we go. I like it. Yeah. I'm glad I can contribute in some way to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Helping out with the production. There we go. There we go. But yeah, man, uh, we now have another long break, it seems, which sucks now because you have all this momentum. Um, we go on Wednesday against Vancouver. And as we're recording, Vancouver's currently losing 3 1 to Anaheim. Um, uh, my prediction for that game on Wednesday. I think it's going to be closer. You got to take into account we're going to on the road. Seven to ones are hard. You're going seven to one. No, I'm I'm saying that's hard to repeat. Okay, I was about to say I was like Griffin going out on the ledge here, man. I'm going to go. I think they win the game three to two. I'm going to go five to two. You're going to go five to. I'm going to say they get an empty net goal in there. I'm going to go five to two. Yeah, I think it's three two. I'm thinking maybe even overtime. I I think they're going to kick the shit out of them. I think we're, we're, we're switching spots here. I like the, it. The Canucks are bad. We're feeling it right now. We've got even a couple of days to, to rest our muscle. It's not a four-day one this time. It's a three-day one. And it's, yeah. the last, it's the last break we really get to have. Honestly, I think it's the only yeah, we talked about it. break like, until Christmas. Yeah. So I hope everyone gets enough sleep over these next couple of days on the team because it's going to get tough after this. But I think they're going to win this one five to two. Okay. Another two goal game from Rantanen and Devontae's three goal streak. Oh, I like that. I like that. There's got to be some good money on that for Devontae's to score at any time goal scorer. I'm going to say that's probably like plus 550. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I do think that the Canucks are going to show up a little bit more um, in the game. I've watched, know, a lot of, I've watched a lot of Canucks hockey this year, sadly. Um, they are just a teensy bit better at home. The abs are definitely going to have to play. They can't come out like they did against San Jose. Cause you're not going to have the luxury of playing at home to uh, come back. But I do think the Canucks are going to come out with a little bit of fire. Um, and that's why I think it could be closer to start. And then I do think the abs, I think the abs are going to win. I just don't know if it'll be a blowout. I don't think blow. I mean, you say three goal win. It sounds like blow, especially when you say five to two, but I think it's going to be a better game, but. This Canucks team, I think they're a little shattered right now after the, the way after the way we beat the crap out of them, the way Vegas just because Vancouver, they scored some goals in that game against Vegas. They still gave up seven. Like that's gotta hurt a bit. And now they're down three one to the Ducks. And I mean, gut instinct, you know, gut reaction to like, oh, they're losing to the Ducks. I mean, the Ducks aren't bad this year, but the the Canucks need to do something at some point. And I think Travis well, Green could get fired after this game, man. I wouldn't be surprised. 
I think, I mean, they've got to do something at some yeah. point. Green does. If that's the case and they get a new coach in there, they will have definitely a little bit more oomph. We've seen it with Chicago. I, my thing about Green getting fired is if I'm management or I'm ownership, I'm not allowing Jim Benning to fire him. I'm bringing someone else in because clearly you don't know what you're doing. You haven't known what you're doing for eight friggin' years. Like the Canucks are just so overdue for some, some big changes. And I don't think they're going to be all that ready to play on. I think they're a bit downtrodden. Okay. I, I still think the abs are going to win. I think we're just disagreeing on the score. We definitely flipped from last episode. You thought it was going to be a grind out game. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I was right. Maybe uh, let's hope you're right this time. Cause I, it has been nice these past couple games as a fan to just sit back and watch. There's been literally zero stress in these games because we're just kicking the shit out of them. So I, I hope that's the case again um, because I I've really enjoyed the kind of mellow pace we've been playing at. Me too, man. Me too. So we've got today as we're recording this day one as the break tomorrow when this comes out day two, Tuesday off Wednesday against the Canucks. And then every day after that, it is one day off one day on got Seattle on Friday next, or actually we have a two day break on the weekend, Friday and Saturday off. And we have Ottawa, Anaheim back to back of Dallas and Nashville. I think we, I mean, after the two Columbus losses, we were like, man, we don't, we don't have any room to lose any more of these games if we want to come out of November positive. I think these are all winnable games. I think we can come out of here with a perfect record after those Columbus yeah. games. Those games you were just talking about, the the Nashville one and the Dallas one, I think will be the two toughest ones. Yeah, and Dallas is struggling. They, yeah, they kind of put it together last night, though, against the Flyers. They kicked the shit out of the Flyers last night, five to two. I had no idea that game happened. Yeah. I'm be completely the only reason I know that is because I, I had picked, no idea. I, I picked the Flyers to win and then they got their teeth kicked in. Um, so Dallas is, but maybe they're just getting all their scoring out of the way before they face the abs. Um, and that's going to be the first time the abs and stars have matched up since game seven in the bubble. So Ooh. that'll be, oh, dude, we're going to have to see so many highlights of that goal. Fuck. Yeah, that's I'm gonna have to mentally prepare myself for that. That's what the change channel button is for. Yeah, or the mute button. Mute but button. Uh, yeah, it's that. Oh, I didn't even think about that. We're gonna have to see all that. Joel Kimi Ranta's bitch ass. Um, but yeah, those are definitely the two toughest games. Nashville's surprising me, man. I did not expect them to play this well. Matt Duchesne has had a, bit of a run. bit of resurgence here. Yeah, they've made um, a little bit of a run here. Even then, they're doing um, it without Forsberg. So I, I do still think the Avs. By the end of this month, they they should be able to close the gap with the Blues a little bit. The Blues are falling a little bit on hard times in these past couple games. They're kind of coming back down to earth. Yeah, they are. They just gave up a goal in the final minute to the Oilers to fall behind five to four. So they're going to lose that one in regulation. Drysaddle with 28 seconds left just put the Oilers ahead, right as you were saying that. Wow. Blues are going to drop that one. And we will, if I can pull this up super, super quick. We are currently fifth in the division. Wow, the Blues dropped all the way to fourth in a heartbeat. All yeah. Summer. And, I mean, Minnesota's still playing well, but they're only a plus five goal differential, man. I think like, I still think they're going to come crashing down. Maybe not crashing do too. down, but 10 and four. That's just not there for me. Yeah. They, they, won't, they won't stay that way. Nashville's making a nice little run. They're not going to stay that way. We're going to be just fine. And we played less talk, games than all these guys. We talked about it off air. 
the Avs are kind of the anomaly at the bottom of the league right now with a plus four goal differential. Yeah, I was saying this to you earlier. I mean, this changed a little bit because some of the results updated, but the only team with a more than plus two goal differential in the after you get past the the Red Wings in 15th is the Kings at 14th with a plus five. So we go from the Avs to 24th to the Kings at 14th. Those are the only two teams in the the bottom half of the league with a more than plus three goal differential. Yeah. So the abs are going to be fine. We knew the offense was going to come out and they were going to figure their shit out and they figured it out these past two games. And it's not like the, the, any of those goals were fluky. You know what I mean? Like the, all the goals in the past couple of games, like maybe the Miko one at the end of the Vancouver one, that was really the only fluky goal. Everything else was a great shot and a great pass to set it up. Like none of these goals were like fluky goals. They were pure skill goals. So um, I, I think the Avs have turned the corner a little bit here uh, on the offensive end and they've 190% turned the corner on the defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, they earned the results in this one. This had nothing to do with luck. This was finally passes starting to connect and things just working out for us now that we're finally getting our shit together and working hard. So Great to see the results in these two games, and hopefully we can continue it on the road uh, against the Canucks on Wednesday. Yeah, couldn't agree more. But, yeah, I'm excited, man. For the first time pretty much since the opener, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this team right now. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they they follow it up and hopefully keep up that momentum when we can ride it out in the month of November. All of a sudden, we're 4-1-1 in our last six, even after the terrible games against Columbus and – Still have a shot to finish out November with a positive record, but Christian, I think I'm all good if you want to wrap here. Yeah, I'm all good too, man. Awesome. All right, so that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Bole, spelled B-O-L-L-E. You can follow the show, which I highly recommend, at the Teledabs It Is We've got some more giveaways on the docket coming soon, along with some other exciting stuff. And rumor has it, Griffin, there's going to be a ticket giveaway for the Ducks game uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Rumor has it. Really? Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Uh, Can you back up the source on that one, you think? Uh, Myself. Myself. They're my tickets. I'm going to be in Michigan. So rumor has it I may give those away to some uh, fans at the Teledabs of this podcast. You've heard it here first, folks. So if you want your shot at those tickets, follow us at Teledabs It Is and keep an eye out for the post and simply just retweet it. And you will have as fair a shot as anyone else to get that pair of tickets. So keep an eye out for that. But that'll do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. Whether it's your first episode or you've been here from day one, we appreciate you all the same Thank you so much once again for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time after the Canucks game. Enjoy the rest of your week.